and welcome to another episode of Woman Advantage. I am particularly excited about this episode because I have my good friend and data viz maker extraordinaire, Megan Hall, with me. How are you, Megan? I'm doing great. This is our second try at recording. Hopefully, you'd think that after how many hours we've done of podcasting recording, we could get it figured out. I think it was just, you know, a little bit of rust. We've shaken it off. We're going to do great. It's fine. I believe in us. We're great. Um, so I will get us started with uh, my favorite softball question of all time. How did you get started in hockey? Oh, boy. Um, I didn't watch hockey growing up. I grew up in Texas, so I did not really watch any hockey until I moved uh, into the Northeast. And my husband likes hockey, so I was just kind of more exposed to hockey. But I'm definitely, I feel kind of like the odd person out sometimes in the hockey world because I am such a new hockey fan. Like there was that meme going around this week, like from the NHL about like what player got you into hockey as a kid. And I was like, Connor McDavid, <laughs> who's much younger than me. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am in, you know, the hockey era. Well, you know, you bring a different perspective than people who have been around the game their whole life, and I appreciate it. So you work with data in your day job, and you also work with data in your hobby, that is hockey. How do you think the work you do helped you with what you're doing now with hockey? Yeah, it's definitely helped. I mean, I have a educational background in like in epidemiology, specifically in nutrition, so I kind of had some data background there as well. But yeah, my day job, I work previously as a data analyst, now as a data manager. And so just one of the good skills of, you know, being a data, of being a good data analyst is just being able to pick up domain knowledge in new areas and just kind of be good at doing research and knowing what kind of questions to ask. So I feel like I did have kind of a leg up when I got into hockey, because basically, as soon as I started getting into hockey, I was immediately curious as to who was kind of what the data landscape was like and who was doing interesting work in terms of hockey analytics and hockey data. So I do think I had a little bit of a leg up from my job just in some of the tools that I had, you know, had exposed to and just general skill at being a data analyst that was that was very helpful. But the work I've learned in hockey has made me better at my job too. It's good that it's symbiotic. You know, one helps the yeah. other. So you obviously mentioned you didn't grow up a hockey fan, but you did grow up a fan of other sports. Did your knowledge from other sports help you to learn about hockey? Um, you know, I don't really think so. Like I was mostly a baseball fan growing up and certainly the use of data in baseball and baseball analytics is kind of more prevalent, I guess, among fans of baseball probably, or maybe just that there's so much, so much more of them that it feels more prevalent. Um, so I knew a little bit about baseball analytics, but had never, had certainly never really done any research in that area but that was definitely how kind of the lens of how I viewed the game and how I was a fan so as soon as I again as I said like as soon as I got into hockey I was like immediately pretty curious to see like what kind of where everyone was in terms of the data and analytics world what was kind of the first thing analytically that you did in hockey the first thing that I did um I'm sure I did I definitely did some like bad stuff which is totally normal you're supposed to do bad stuff at the beginning that's what like being a beginner is about it's all about um so I definitely did some stuff that was just kind of I don't know I don't want to say worthless or meaningless because that's not very nice and again everyone is a beginner you have to start by doing something but I would say the first thing of consequence that I did was I started to get pretty interested into when teams were pulling their goalie and not a lot of people were looking into that in terms of like actually tracking what teams were doing what. 
So that was probably the first thing I did that, you know, was again of any consequence and that people were interested in, like other people. And that also led to the first, uh, the first presentation I gave at a conference, which was at Seattle last year. That's awesome. Yeah, I, again, not to pump your tires, but your goalie pulling stuff is very cool. And if I am correct, you are one of, I think, very few humans that the NHL pull bot actually follows. (laughs) Oh, that is true. Yes, I do recommend that everyone follow the poll bot on Twitter, which um, is a bot that watches games and kind of just spits out the recommendations on Twitter when they should pull their goalie. And yes, I am very proud that the poll bot, I think only follows like six accounts. And I think I'm the only real person that it follows, which is a true point of pride in the goalie pulling community. You are, you are the, which is basically just me and this bot. Just that you are definitely leading the charge <laughs> for pulling goalies in the hockey community. <laughs> I do appreciate people will tag me on Twitter whenever there is a particularly early goalie pull or even like I'll get sometimes people will be like, I was watching like a D3 college game and they pulled the goalie <laughs> with five minutes or something. So I do appreciate that everyone shares that with me. It's it is your mark and it's it's a good one to have. There are so many be- worse yep. ones that you could have upon you. Exactly. That's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with being that person. Yeah. In you know, kind of the last few years, it seems like more and more women have gotten involved in hockey and in hockey analysis. Do you think that there's a particular reason for that? That's a really good question. And I'll start with my pessimistic answer, which I don't, which I don't really think is true. But I will admit it is like the first thing that pops into my head, because it's true, there are like a decent amount of women that are working with hockey data or kind of in the realm of hockey data publicly. And again, I can't really speak to other sports. I'm not too involved in other sports, particularly their like online communities. But just from what I've seen, it seems like there's fewer women than in hockey, which is surprising. And again, my pessimistic reason is like of the number of women that actually work in hockey, like work in NHL hockey operations, you can count them on one hand. So the pessimistic answer is they're all just out working in the public. But for real, I don't know. I think it is just it has really cultivated a a good community. I think in general, the public stats community for hockey is particularly committed to diversity of all sorts of types and not only diversity, but also inclusion and making sure that people feel included. Um, hockey Graphs has done a lot of work in that area with the mentorship program that they have had for several years now and the diversity initiatives that have happened in terms of getting people to conferences and so I don't know. I I wish I had a better answer, but I think that somehow we've just stumbled upon and it's not by accident. You don't like you can't just create communities do not just spring up that are like diverse and inclusive just like by chance, right? So someone has to be doing the work and I'm a particularly we're like a new member of this community, so don't really feel qualified to kind of discuss the beginnings, but I think that um people have done like the people who are leaders in the community have just done a really good job of of cultivating um, a group that that has those values, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. The hockey, uh, at least the hockey kind of statistics community, feels like a really open and inclusive place. Not to say that about the rest of hockey culture, but, you know, that little niche <laughs> in the corner. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, does it just seem like it's better because, like, the rest of hockey can be so bad? But it really is great. Like, the who would have thought? It really is a nice little corner of, of the internet, of all the hockey nerds. Yeah. But it's true. You just have to aggressively use your mute and block button when someone from the non-number side of the game finds you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
So kind of in that same vein about, you know, the the online hockey community, you have really seemed to find your place in that community and in the analytics community with your work around special teams and, as we mentioned, goalies. Those two areas do kind of tend to be underexamined. What made you want to get into them? Again, the goalie pulling, I think, was was super lucky in terms of it was something that I was personally interested in and was really my first project which would I mean a lot of people ask me kind of how to get into sports analytics and hockey analytics in particular and my best answer is like just find a question that is interesting to you and figure out like how to solve it and you have to along the way you're going to have to figure out like a whole bunch of things to solve this problem so like I was curious because people talked about it as if like the nerds had won and teams were getting more aggressive and pulling their goalie and my question was well, is that true? And so I looked and I didn't really, I couldn't really find any place where someone was keeping that information, at least in a public way. So I was like, okay, I wonder if I can get that information. So then I had to figure out how to, I had to figure out how to get NHL data, you know, which is like not a, not something that is super obvious. It's something that you have to learn. I had to learn to, I had to learn enough coding in R to be able to figure out what the data I needed, like there is no helpful line in the NHL play-by-play data that says this team pulled their goalie at this time. <laughs> you kind of you kind of have to figure it out. Um, I, you have to learn how to deal with delayed penalties, which are personally the bane of my existence. <laughs> and so I think I just looked out because the thing that I happened to be interested in was not really a thing that people had looked at. So everybody was like, oh, I'm interested in this. And this is, you know, the place where you can find it. So I think I lucked out kind of with their insane around penalty kills again I was looking more at power plays um, I used to keep a um, a power play visualization and just truly by accident one day like I accidentally ended up looking at the penalty kill data and found that and thought that was pretty interesting so that spawned like you know almost a year's worth of of looking into the increasing trends of of offense on the penalty kill so yeah I wish I could say that it was all like super planned out but it really kind of mostly all happened by accident some of the best things in life happen by accident yeah within the hockey analytics community you have done a lot of work to try to make the community you know it seems like more accepting to newcomers especially being very you know open with how you learned r and doing tutorials on it do you have a piece of advice that you'd give to somebody like me who has zero experience with R or any programming language and really numbers in general. Like how would someone like me get started? So first of all, I think it is a misconception that you have to be like good with numbers or good at math to be like whatever you want, like a coder or a programmer or whatever. I mean, you certainly, if you want to like get in, start getting into statistics and data science and machine learning and like all of those buzzwords, like you need to know a little math and be good with your numbers. But in order to just do like, you can do a lot of coding and programming stuff without really needing to learn any math. So that would kind of be, that's my first piece of advice for anyone is like, it is absolutely for you. Like nobody listening to this is like not smart enough to be able to learn R or learn Python or learn Tableau or whatever, like truly. It truly is just like learning another language. Like you're gonna start and it's gonna be really awkward and you're not gonna know how to do anything obviously and you'll read through tutorials and it won't feel natural and then you'll pick it up like a week later and you'll have to read those tutorials again because you don't remember what all the different functions are. And then each time, as long as you like actually keep learning it, you will 
you won't have to look things up anymore and eventually like your skills really will build like it will feel for a really long time that you're never going to get it and you're going to have to look up what the filter function is every single day but like it really isn't if you truly work at it just a little bit consistently I I so vividly remember the first time that I opened R and I had a just like a particular question I wanted to ask. It was really simple, something that could be answered in, I don't know, probably like less than 10 lines of code. And I was able to do it and I didn't have to look anything up. And that is like a very exciting day. So I would just remind people that like the resources are out there and people are, people in the R community and people in the R community who work with hockey data in particular, super welcoming and like truly anyone can learn. You don't have to be a numbers person. You don't have to have, you know, ever coded or programmed anything before. It's definitely accessible to you. And uh, just to plug some of your stuff for you, uh, Meg <laughs> has done a wonderful uh, intro to our tutorial for people who are looking to get started. So you should definitely go find that if that is something you are interested in. Because again, I know nothing about it. And I watched it and I was like, oh, this doesn't seem nearly as scary as I thought it did. Yeah, I really have tried. I have a few art tutorials. One is like for the total beginner. And then I have a couple others focusing on more intermediate things. And I really just want to create all of the resources that I wish that I had had when I was learning R as someone who had like some amount of programming experience. Like I knew some SQL and I worked through reporting software through work, but I wasn't, I did not have like a language that I was comfortable writing in like I am now with R. And I'm trying to learn a little bit of Python now. So yeah, I really want everyone to think that they can do it. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Kind of to, to switch gears a little bit and talk more about the game of hockey and just general fandom in hockey instead of focusing so much on the analytics side of it. There are a lot of barriers to hockey. One of them is the cost of playing. And then there are also, you know, like every sport, there are people who consider themselves a gatekeeper who kind of judge someone's worthiness of being a fan. And that happens in every sport. But what are some things that we can do to try to remove some of those barriers for hockey in particular? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, at least on, I mean, there's tons of like financial barriers to playing hockey, which just every once in a while it goes around like how much it costs to like put your kid to play hockey in Canada or something. And it's just like, it's absurd. So, I mean, I can't even, I am not at all qualified to talk about that at all. But just in general, I think that things that some of the teams have been doing in order to kind of increase the opportunity for more kids to play hockey, I think is great. And in terms of fans, man, I don't know, like a lot of hockey culture and a lot of hockey fans like really suck. And I'm sorry, but it's just true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I just try to find my own like little circle of people and not like venture beyond that. But that is like not really helpful advice for you know, changing the culture going forward. So yeah, I think all of us that people wouldn't expect to be fans, whether it's women and people of color and people who care about the number side of the game, just really have to try to be intentional about carving out, you know, space for ourselves and spaces that fans like us can feel welcome in. But I don't really have, I don't really have a good answer. I wish I did. I wish I knew how to fix hockey culture, most of which is terrible. But 
Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's one of those things where as an individual, you feel like you could do one or two things that would make it marginally better for people. But because it's just marginally better, a lot of us are like, oh, well, I guess I won't do it or I'll do that, but it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm just trying, yeah, just on a personal level. I mean, I'm just trying to be open about the fact that, yeah, I'm a numbers nerd and like that's why I like hockey. And there are those of us out there who, you know, like hockey because of the numbers and, um, trying to make it easier for more people, particularly anybody from underrepresented communities in hockey to get into hockey data and hockey analytics, specifically if that's what they're interested in, and trying to make it easier for those people. I've have gotten a lot of really wonderful emails and DMs from women who have felt comfortable like getting into analytics because of some of the work that I've done, which is kind of the best part of the whole thing. But yeah, it's hard. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there are just so many barriers. It's like a, a rushing nesting, Russian nesting doll of barriers to getting I know. And, and fixing things. On on that really happy note, um, what do you think that maybe like teams and staff who work for teams, because maybe some of them listen to this podcast, can do to make hockey a more inclusive space? So, I mean, personally, I just wish, like, I just wish teams would stop partnering with Barstool. Like, is it that difficult? That is the thing that every single time, it just, like, it is not, seems like such an easy win. And yet I see, like, Colorado did something recently where Mm -hmm. they were promoting that, like, whatever, like, the vodka brand that has the bar stool. Like, I don't even, I don't care. We don't need to give them any publicity on this podcast. And, you know, the Bruins had that thing last year where they gave out the bar stool rally towels Mm -hmm. during the playoffs. And I'm like, nothing makes me, like, me personally, as a woman, feel less welcome in hockey than like that right like it's just not difficult and I mean teams are getting better I guess at having their hockey is for everyone nights and using their pride tape but like the Dallas Stars aren't even calling it pride tape they're calling it hockey is for everyone tape which is not what it's called (laughs) at all so I don't know I mean I you and I have been hockey games together and been harassed Mm -hmm. by men Mm -hmm. so few months ago my dad was wondering what to get me for my birthday and he wanted to get me some hockey tickets and it's just amazing but it's true I do not like I really don't feel very comfortable going to an NHL game like you and I had that really Mm -hmm. shitty experience last year when we were in Buffalo with that awful Toronto fan I guess that was that was two years ago and I mean I personally haven't been to very many NHL games and I don't feel particularly comfortable there like we were in we were in Columbus last a couple couple weeks ago for the Columbus conference and everyone who was at the conference got to go to the game which was great but I went with a group of guys and felt a lot more comfortable than if I was going on my own or if I just went with like my mom or with you or something and so I don't think that's good that like I in general do not really feel very comfortable going to an NHL game like that's not great for the game yeah yeah and I think pretty much every woman who is a hockey fan who has been to a game has that kind of experience. And I'm I'm sure that it's worse for women of color who go to games. Oh, absolutely. And it's incredibly frustrating when I paid my money for my tickets. I like this game. No, I don't need you to explain it to me. No, I don't need you to push me so that you can have more room in your seat. I'm allowed to take up space here. And it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, that's one of my yeah. very big grievances with hockey. Yeah. And I mean, I've been to dozens of baseball games mm-hmm. and never had any bad experience ever. And then, you know, when you and I went to that game, that was like the second NHL arena I'd ever been mm-hmm. to. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. So no, I really don't. Like, I feel very comfortable 
in my little like the little pocket of hockey twitter that is like the hockey nerds and like very uncomfortable with kind of the rest of hockey culture in general yeah and i get a lot of questions from people who are like don't you want to work for an nhl team why don't you work for an nhl team and i'm just like "Mm, just don't love a lot of that don't love a lot of that culture. Yeah. It's very much a closed loop, too. So when someone gets fired from one team, it's just they, they get sucked into the loop for a little bit until another team sucks them back in. And it's over and over again. Yeah. And like just in general, that's not it's just not good for, you know, improving the culture of the game. No, definitely not. <laughs> so we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but let's find one little positive thing that we can do as individuals to make hockey culture a little bit more inclusive and a little bit better for the women and the people of color who are a fan of the sport. I mean, I spend a fair amount of my free time working on hockey stuff. And yet I really do hate hockey like a lot of the time. Like, like I really do. I hate a lot of the culture, hate a lot of the league. I just, I very often get to places where I like regularly have kind of like little existential dread of like why am I doing this when I like really hate a lot of what this sport stands for right Mm -hmm. and so I don't know I just try to keep going because I know that like there are obviously good people in hockey and especially with kind of the hockey nerds that we have surrounded ourselves with there are a lot of really good people that I feel really lucky and grateful to know and to be friends with and again I just hope that maybe like again I don't I as I said before don't really have a lot of aspirations of working you know in hockey but I'm at least hopeful that I can put out resources that maybe help other people you know people from underrepresented groups women and people of color or particularly women of color who can maybe feel a little more safe in the space because there are people like me and a lot of other people like all the people you've had on your podcast who are you know visible voices in hockey and maybe even give them some tools particularly again in my wheelhouse for people that want to get into hockey data but yeah no it's really hard yeah yeah I I think my least favorite part of just like conversations around hockey culture is the dread that they bring because it takes so much and so many people to actually make changes and not everyone is steering in the same direction it seems and so it can be very challenging no and a lot of times it feels like I mean the NHL loves to give lip service that you know they care about things like that but I mean do we really believe that they do like no no not really no we like maybe if it increases their profits obviously but that's really the only reason and I mean like you said it we kind of all joke about how the fact that there's like what 32 teams in the league and like 35 people at any given time who they believe are qualified for GMs and coaches right and it's just like the revolving Mm -hmm. circle but like that's true at other levels as well in that kind of mentality particularly that is really pervasive in hockey operations that like you're not qualified unless you've played hockey Mm -hmm. right which is ridiculous and not as much a thing in other sports it just really closes off it obviously closes it off to new people which is closing off you know your league and your sport to like infusions of new culture and new ideas and progress which like hockey needs a lot of Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and a lot of it seems like it's it's not even just that they only value former players opinions it's that they only value former male players opinions on things oh absolutely plus like a couple a couple of very select women's players that they can like trot out when they 
like when they need to yeah but yeah it feels like a dog and pony show and it's yeah it's mm -hmm. this is a really fun talk (laughs) so fun (laughs) we've gotten really really down today we're doing great um (laughs) doing fine (laughs) yeah we have two more questions and i swear they shouldn't be as as much of a downer hopefully okay now i'm all sad and i'm (laughs) I'm in one of my existential cycles now so it's fine i I believe in you i believe in you yep i'll dig (laughs) myself out (laughs) so we've we've talked about some of the resources that are out there for people who are trying to get started on the data side of hockey but what is one piece of advice that you wish you had had before you started doing what you're doing now that you would give to another woman who wants to start doing it if i was giving advice to advice that I would want that I would have wanted to hear would be that it really is a welcoming community for one um it can seem really intimidating as a newcomer just like you know a newcomer is to any group or any community but it really isn't people are incredibly welcoming to outsiders I mean I often still feel like an outsider I mean I've only been around quote unquote for like a little over a year basically And I often still feel like the new person who doesn't, you know, get all the inside jokes and know all of the people who have been in and out. And like, it's fine. It's still a really, it's a really welcoming community. And if anybody feels shy and too new, then like they can come talk to me. Because again, I still feel like the new person in town. And just to remember that like, if you're starting with hockey data, like the first stuff that you're going to do is probably not going to be like groundbreaking and amazing and that's fine like that's that's how it is you are a beginner you are learning and so I would really just you know be patient with yourself and work on things that you personally find interesting and don't be afraid to ask people for help I personally am not very good at that I always kind of have to psych myself up to ask people for help because I'm afraid they're going to think I'm dumb which you know is stupid but there it is so don't be afraid to ask people for help either yeah that's incredibly good advice I think just in whatever you do in life but specifically in this situation yeah because everybody wants to help and nobody thinks you're dumb and honestly if somebody does think you're dumb then that's then they're dumb like that shows more on them than it does on you yeah so and I feel like a lot of the people in the hockey community that maybe make you feel dumb with how smart they are they were once you and they are still learning also like nobody is no one's ever done learning with what like with this stuff exactly absolutely yeah and I'm actually going to ask you to end on a high note here and say your favorite part about hockey it can be any part of hockey (laughs) all the friends I've made along the way (laughs) that's it's it's corny but it's true no it's really true yeah that's it's absolutely true. You, of course, you count. You're like my OG hockey friend. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad I count. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Number one. But yeah, no, for sure, definitely the people. I would never have thought that like, you know, getting into like being curious about hockey numbers would have really given me an entire community and an entire social life. Let's be real. Going to analytics conferences every year like a cool kid. Um, but yeah, no, it's really been great. I mean, wonderful people that I never would have met any other way, of course. And yeah, so it's been fun. And that's what kind of gets me through when you're in one of those existential dread cycles thinking about how much hockey sucks. Yeah. Is, again, the people make it worth it. That's true. I feel like hockey's analytics community is one of the few analytics communities online that still, like, 
accepting applications to join and not applications. Right, exactly. But like in baseball, it's that community so far along that people aren't really doing anything new and innovative. They're looking at the stuff that's done by really smart, wonderful people and oh, websites. Yeah. Same with basketball. Like I would have no idea. I would have no idea where to get started if I like wanted to get into baseball analytics, which is like so huge. Like I would just have... I would have no idea. So yeah, the hockey community is definitely still small enough that you can, you know, um, that you can like make an impact and, you know, become part of the community fairly quickly. Yeah. We're, we're always looking for new friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Applications are still open. And they'll probably be open forever. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not a ton of hockey nerds out there. So no, we're trying to get more. So if you're a woman who likes hockey. Uh, yeah apply yeah apply you know take take a chance and you know look at some data and see what you can do and apply for mentorship at hockey graphs or just reach out to somebody on the internet who does just dm people yeah Yeah. exactly yeah so that are those are all the questions i have where can people find what you're working on everything can be found on my twitter which is megan m hall and megan with an h um my website is linked there it's megan dot rbind.io again that's also linked on the twitter so everything flows through twitter so that's probably the easiest place to find me great and everyone should go check megan's stuff out i will be linking to her twitter in the bio of this episode and meg thank you so much for coming on it's been really great to talk to you over a microphone again i know missed it been too long thanks for having me anytime and thank you all for listening If you could do me a favor and take a couple seconds to rate this podcast five stars and leave a review, it helps more people find us. And you may have noticed that in recent episodes, there has been a Patreon link on the link to the podcast. If you have the ability to donate, it'd be really appreciated. Of course, the podcast will still be free and available to everybody. But to kind of expand what we're doing, we are hoping to get a few more Patreons so that we can do some cool stuff. Again, thank you for listening to another episode of Woman Advantage. I'm Hannah, and we'll talk to you next time.